This is The Water Table. A chance to hear the agricultural side of these issues. A place for people to go find information and education. Water management is just going to become even more critical into the future. How misunderstood what we do is. I would encourage people to open their minds and listen to this dialogue. Today, we welcome Michelle Miller, a.k.a. the Farm Babe, to the Water Table podcast. Excited about this episode and just uh, listening to her share what uh, has kind of happened in her life and and how she got to where she is. And um, with an average social media reach of 2 to 3 million per month and 200,000 followers, Michelle has made a name for herself as a dedicated myth buster in the food industry and has influenced corporations as powerful as Burger King. Michelle brings a unique perspective as a big city globetrotter turned farm girl and plants the seed inside the minds of those looking to understand the truth about modern agricultural production. With one of the most popular and vibrant food farming social media followings, the Farm Babe is the real deal. Michelle has been on stage among leading industry experts as one of the most well-known voices in agriculture. Michelle, we're excited that you're joining us here on the water table. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. The only thing that's different about that blurb on my website I need to update is I do have a lot more followers than that now. But <laughs> you do, you do. The the power of just like it's just I have to update my website. But yeah, that's that's what it would say on thefarmbabe.com. So yeah, thanks. isn't 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 that interesting how fast things go too? And and that's really what we're talking about is is getting the word out. You know, whatever you're dealing with, and and we're you know the water tables about managing water on on the farm and uh, in agriculture. And, yeah. and it's really what happened in, in your life is, is you, you know, the, the social media and um, just how things go, the world you lived in, you were seeing things from that perspective and uh, around the GMOs and, and, uh, and organic foods and things like that. And, and we really weren't getting our story out in agriculture. And, and that's what we're trying to do on the specifically on the, on the water management side with the water tables, get our, get our uh, story out. And so that our city cousins understand what we're doing is uh, really good for the environment. It's good to grow food for the world. Uh, we're growing more because of it. And so it's interesting that you start with that, that just in a short time, your uh, followers have gone from 200,000 to what are you at now? Uh, like 220 some thousand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so. that was just, yeah, I, I think I should probably just like not even put in a specific number cause it's just, it just keeps growing, which is great, you know, and you see so many other ag influencers that are just crushing it out there. And so it's nice to be among a group of people that, you know, we're really trying to help propel the narrative forward in a positive, uh, propel the narrative and forward in a positive way. Yeah, and I think I think what's happening in you know as time evolves and with more and more information out there like podcasts is even the people that don't agree with us I think want to be educated and they want to they they know that everything they're hearing isn't true um, so mm -hmm. they want they want to hear from both sides and then be able to really decide for themselves and um, so I think you know I really appreciate people like you that are out there every day and understand. Um, what happens in agriculture, but also have lived a different life, have lived in the city and understand um, those lifestyles too that can yeah. connect back to those people. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I kind of want you to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got to where you are. But, you know, one of the things I read about you is, uh, you know, that you, before you were 30, you, you visited every continent and 67 countries. And so, you know, we don't, this doesn't have anything to do with the water table, but I'm curious. <laughs> um, and I think our listeners would be too. Um was that just something that was a goal of yours or did you have a role that you wanted to do that? And then uh, next question would be, you know, what's your favorite place and why that you were able to visit? Yeah, I um, right after college, I moved to China and I just became really fascinated with culture. You know, going from Los Angeles to rural Chinese culture was like about as opposite as you could be. And from there, I was just like, what else is out there with the world? And I just made a goal to visit all seven continents by the time I was 30. So that was just something that was important to me that I achieved. And, um, you know, I've never been a big stuff person. Like I don't like material things, but I just like experiences. And so it was really fun. I think Belize is my favorite country I've ever been to because I really like scuba diving. I'm actually at the library today, which is funny. My Wi-Fi is down at home and you can see in the background this like this one says finding your roots, which is very agriculture. And this one has like a shark, which is really funny because I'm a big shark enthusiast. So just ironically being at the library today, this is a good <laughs> portrayal of my two passions, which I love. Sure. I love the sea. I live in Florida. I love the beach. I love um, snorkeling and diving. And then I love agriculture too. So yeah. So Belize was my favorite just from diving the blue hole and snorkeling with sharks and I'm a shark enthusiast. So yeah. Cool. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you uh, get to where you are today? Yeah. So I went to college. I started off in Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. And then I went to college in Los Angeles and got a fashion degree and worked for Gucci on Rodeo Drive. So I was about, once again, about as far opposite as I, as I could be now. But when you're a big city girl, you know, it's like you fall victim to a lot of misinformation. And so I had watched Food Inc. and a lot of these animal rights activist videos. Um, you know, I was vegetarian for a while. I was an anti-GMO activist. I followed a gluten-free diet, like all these different trends and buzzwords that was a part of my life as a city girl. And then I ended up meeting a farmer in a bar from Iowa and I moved to Iowa for him. And I started the farm babe back in 2014 because here I was falling in love with a farmer that was growing Monsanto GMOs, heaven forbid, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I, and here I was thinking that GMOs were awful and Monsanto was the devil and, and he had feedlots and he was feeding corn to cattle and all these things that I thought were bad. And so I just, him and everybody in the rural Iowa farming communities just looked at me like, what are you talking about? You know? And so I realized that a lot of times farmers are disconnected from the disconnect. But since I know what it feels like to be on the opposite extremes of both perspectives, I just really work to bridge that gap, right? And help mm -hmm. people learn where their food comes from and do a lot of myth busting and give farmers and science a bigger voice. Did you feel like um, you were able to also motivate some of the rural, um, you know, the, the your friends in rural Iowa to understand that there is this that this is real, um, what's yeah. happening and, and that they were more engaged, um, to tell their story because of, because of knowing you and what, what your experience. Yeah. Were. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've had some people start off their own advocacy platforms and point blank said, you're the reason why I started. And that to me is one of the greatest compliments. Because uh, a lot of people do want to hear our stories. And a lot of farmers, um, they think that their voice can't make a difference, or they take what they do for granted, because they've done it their whole lives. And I'm like, yo, what you do is amazing. People want to know where their food comes from, but we also have to be kind and compassionate about how we communicate that, right? Because online you see so many people that are aggressive or abrasive, or they just treat people like idiots. And it's like over 90% of people are in the movable middle. Um, So it's just been an interesting journey to watch myself and so many other advocates, (laughs) agricultural advocates, advocates, um, really tell their stories. And together we're reaching hundreds of millions of people. So it's really incredible to see what we can do collaboratively. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, really cool. Um, What's been, you know, in in this journey and uh, really, you know, becoming passionate for what you're doing. I mean, that's obvious that you're passionate for um, telling the story of, of agriculture. Give us uh, an example or two or, or of, you know, something that really was fulfilling that you were able to connect to and be involved with um, on this journey. There's so many, but I think the Burger King story is probably like one of the biggest claims to fame, I guess. It's just, I mean, do you want me to go ahead and talk yeah, about Yeah, Burger why don't you tell, yeah. we talked about it in the, in the bio, but tell our listeners a little bit about what, what that was all about. Yeah. So Burger King released this horrible ad back in July of 2020 that was talking about how cattle are destroying the planet. And it was cow farts and methane is destroying everything. And the ad was horrible. It was kids wearing gas masks and the polar ice caps were melting because of cow farts. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So the hashtag boycott Burger King was trending all across Twitter social media, people were pushing back, telling Burger King, this is greenwashing, this is nonsense, because Burger King's solution was, we're going to feed lemongrass to cattle, which could reduce methane emissions by up to a third. And basically, they're like, we're going to save the planet by feeding lemongrass to cattle. Okay. Sounds like a good idea in theory. But then you're like, where do you source lemongrass? And how much is that going to cost? And what does the research actually say? So there was one study that proved, yes, if you feed lemongrass to cattle, you could reduce methane emissions by up to a third. However, other studies, there was one at UC Davis and in Europe, they were not coming up with the same conclusions. The results were inconclusive and not yet published. So academia got mad at Burger King too, because they said, well, actually, this is not what we're claiming. And it's pretty dodgy of you to release this when our research is not even published. So they got all this backlash for that. So I sent a tweet out to the global chief marketing officer just explaining why we found the ad so offensive. I said, look, reducing methane, focusing on sustainability, these are all things that farmers and ranchers care about. So Burger King actually reached out to me and I had a call with them and I invited them out to my farm. And I was just like, I was living on the farm in Iowa at the time. We were cattle farmers, sheep corn, soybeans, oats, hay, all that stuff. Uh, So I said, come on out. And they did. So Burger King, um, the global chief marketing officer, Fernando, came out with a camera crew. They retracted the original ad and put out a new ad that focused on sustainability and their partnership with farmers. So rather than throwing us under the bus and making us look like a bunch of environmentally destructive jerks, they actually changed their whole marketing narrative. I took them to a farm that had 
methane digesters. We went to my farm. I involved Iowa State, took them to some feedlots, and really just submerged them in all of the knowledge that they needed to have to really focus on what things farmers are doing to protect the environment. Uh, So that was probably my biggest claim to fame story that people like to hear is, and that's what I preach on as a keynote speaker is like, is, is helping people realize that our voices in agriculture are so powerful. We have to tell our story so that the Burger Kings of the world aren't putting out these horrible ads that they understand us. I learned that Fernando had never even really been to a farm before. And how are you the chief marketing officer, but you don't really know how beef is raised. Like that's a problem. So that's been just awesome to have them come to the table and change their tune. Yeah, literally. For sure. sure. Great story. Great story. That probably leads a little bit into, you know, what we do. I know you're not, you know, extremely well versed on, on uh, managing the water with uh, tile drainage and uh on the farm but you have been to a lot of farms and you you know a lot of of um, farmers and farm advocates that use um our water management products you know from our company or from others um i even saw recently that you were uh i think you visited the millennial farmer you know he does tons of of uh of tile drainage and and water management on his farm so you you're aware of what it is and and I guess the question um, that I'd have is, you know, we in our segment of agricultural industry deal with the same things where we have a lot of people that don't understand what we do and they have a perception of what we do that comes from lots of different places. But mm-hmm. a lot of times they have a negative perception. And that's, again, why we're here at the water tables, tell our story to educate people that um and and to help the people that are on our side be able to tell the story better and be able to encourage them and give them the confidence to to go out and tell their story. But how would you encourage um, people that are in the water management industry to get involved, or or what would what would be your advice to uh, be able to continue to tell a positive story about what we do? Because we do a lot of great things. Yeah, so that's a great question, and one thing that I'm glad you asked because. I myself have not really dived into this avenue of agriculture as much as I'd like to. I know that we had tillage and drainage on the farm in Iowa when I lived there and I was farming and I saw it. I saw it being uh, constructed and, and implemented and all that. And I was like, this is really neat, but it's really hard to make that sexy, right? So, so I think just explain, I don't know. I don't even know, like, because... the water, what you guys do is something that I don't hear much about. I don't hear much pushback on it. I don't dive into it much. I I think it's really hard to tell the story because you don't see it, right? Right, It's not like, it's not like watching plants grow or watching raising livestock because it's something you can visually see. What you guys do is so behind the scenes that I think just the best way you guys can tell your story is personally be if if you are doing a selfie video if you're working on some project or you're doing something and, and you you have a a physical visual to show somebody or if you have a study that's showing hey because of this technology we've reduced 
whatever by this much and you have that study to share or you can do a side-by-side picture of before and after wall or quality, I think anything visual is going to be a lot easier for you guys to share because your industry is so non-visual. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what is it exactly that you guys have done or are doing in your industry? Like, tell me a couple of success stories. Is that okay? It's your show. Yeah, but- yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, some of the things that, that we get uh, criticized for is uh, and not necessarily that, that we're the culprit, but we are part of, of uh, the issue and can't, can be part of the solution is the whole hypoxia zone in the Gulf of Mexico is the, the okay. nitrates are Yeah, that's down. such a hot topic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, we have a lot of great studies coming out of, and, you know, here at the water table, we have interviewed um, Matt Helmers from, from Iowa State University professor there, and they're doing a lot of great things with, in, at Iowa State, um, building, constructing, engineered, uh, denitrification wetlands and the amount of uh, nitrate that's coming that they're able to take out of that uh, system by by building these wetlands is really remarkable. We're doing things with uh, the Agricultural Drainage Management Coalition, which we've interviewed here a lot too, uh, Charlie Schaefer and and uh, and others um, in in regards to things like. Um, saturated buffers and uh, how we can run the tile water through a saturated buffer and and reduce the nitrates oh. that way and control drainage. Um, so there's there is a lot of things going on, but you're 100% right about what we do is underground. So once it's yeah. installed, literally, if, if somebody drives by a project, it can be a very significant project. And if they drive by there one day too late, they don't even know that there was a project done on that field because that's, that's, it's done. Yeah. And, and that's then, what's so crazy about it. And what you know, what are what we really need to tell the story. It's still hard because you can't see it. But once a project is done, that pipe in the ground is managing the water for hundreds of years. Um, you know, we we know cool. that we know that our plastic pipe, you know, it can have a hundred year service life, and and we're finding pipe in the field that's, you know, very old that we know has been in fields in Europe and different places for much longer than a hundred years. And what happens then is the farmer or the person that paid for that drainage system is reaping the benefits of that for generations. So it's not mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. buying a car in which it's rusted out and gone in 10 years. This is something that you're investing in your family farm, but it's growing higher yields, which is paying um, which is uh, feeding the world and which is making that land more valuable, which is, you know, you're paying higher taxes, which is building schools and hospitals and those kind of things in your local community. So it's an awesome investment that um, grows higher yields. And if we do some of these new practices like saturated buffers and denitrification wetlands, we can reduce some of the pollutants that that we can uh, that our product is a conduit to bring to the to the rivers and streams so we can reduce that also you know it's we didn't even talk about things like erosion reduction because you're managing the water on your farm um here in minnesota last week we had 10 inches of rain and and i own a small farm and you know a bunch here i'm i'm part of a company that uh makes the product and had a bunch of erosion but guess what we're going to fix it with with drainage pipe and with uh, managing the water on the farm so that that topsoil, which you know, you, you definitely know that from what you do, 
that topsoil is very important um, to ha- keep right. on the farm, and and we're not losing that into the uh, rivers and streams. So, so there's right. a lot of things we can tell. We but I really appreciate you motivating me and our customers around. Hey, when you see something, because that is going to be buried an hour from now. Take a yeah. selfie. Do a video. Take some pictures and videos. Explain what it is, what you're doing, and why and how. And I think another way you guys could tell the story better is also, um, you know, right now, regenerative is the new buzzword, you know, like we went from natural to organic to regenerative. Oh, what's the next buzzword going to be? <laughs> right, right. But, but, you know, no-till farming. And, you know, I, I think it's funny, actually, millennial farmer is one of these people that comes to my mind. I know you mentioned him earlier about how I used to watch videos of him tilling and I'm a huge proponent of no-till. Mm-hmm. And so I used to I used to cringe when I see these guys with and I understand that different farmers do it different in different regions. So I'm not knocking him. But we've we were no-till for over 20 years when I was on the farm in Iowa, like cover crops, no-till, soil testing, winning awards for farmers of the year for soil and water conservation, something. Um my I was farming with my boyfriend at the time. His brother was a soil scientist for the NRCS, and we were always always involved in the latest and greatest studies and like what that looks like. But tillage, drainage, what you guys do is not always a a key part of that conversation, especially to the end consumer. But you have to be proactive instead of reactive, right? Because right now, there's not a huge doom and gloom story. It's not like the anti-GMO movement or factory farming or these other pesticides or GMO, these hot topics but regenerative is a buzzword and it's consumer driven and more corporations are jumping on it. But if you can be like, Hey, we're part of that too. And you're proactive. That would be really awesome. Now is the time for you guys to really jump on this. Right. As right. to why you make farmers more regenerative right. or like just environmentally sound overall. What, what are we doing to protect the dead zone? God, that's such a, that's such a, big issue that I hear about all the freaking time. And I try to learn about it. And I was actually down in the Gulf of Mexico. I was working with some farms and some researchers down in the New Orleans area. And and uh, I actually met this woman who worked at the museum. The wa- It was like the aquarium museum that's got all these water quality exhibits there in the Gulf of Mexico. And I said, so what's what's the real story with the dead zone in the Gulf? And she's like, she made it sound like things have improved like a hundred times tenfold. And, and I, I believe her cause she's there with the research working at the museum, telling the story. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, but tell me more about this. Like I need to really dive in pun intended with, with the experts here, mm-hmm. the, y'all's voices that are, that are making the improvements. You need to be a hundred times louder. We need to get celebrities. We need to get influencers, people out there to really help change that narrative because right now even myself somebody that's that's big into the space i don't know much about it but i want to you know so here's your opportunity for the people listening in your in your industry to speak up because it's cool and if you don't speak up somebody else is going to keep telling that doom and gloom story that's not true you know right Right. yep absolutely and i want to just go back to the no-tail conversation a little bit around you know that's also not only different by just the way people, the practices they use and what they know from history, but it also is different by geography from the standpoint of up here in the upper Midwest, the spring isn't long enough to dry out that soil if it's not black. So a lot of times that's why historically we've 
tilled everything, got it black. The sun then penetrates that soil. It dries it out. And, uh, you know, you can get in the field much quicker. You aren't going to get in the field if you have a if you have no-till and you have a wet, cool spring like we've had in Minnesota. We're here at the end of May talking on this, and we're still planting corn up here. And some uh-huh. places they're just getting in. But if you have that uh, water managed, that land managed with proper water management products, you're going to be able to get in. You're going to be able to uh, um, plant that that crop in that field much quicker because it's going to dry out because of that pipe in that field where you you didn't uh-huh. have it before. So so there is there things that where we have to. Every problem is usually not. I shouldn't say every problem. Most problems. There isn't just one solution. There has to be more than one solution to, to make it yeah. work. And that's- well, see, that's great. And another reason why I love advocating for agriculture is because you learn something new every day, right? And and people do tend to think, oh, it's just this one-size-fits-all solution, and I can do it this way, so everybody should do it this way. And it's never the case. <laughs> right, right, for sure. Well, Michelle, thank you for joining us today. You uh, you made it work from the library and uh, you're going to have a lot of noise there with kids coming in. So we're not going to take too much of your time. But uh, I appreciate you joining the water table. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime as yeah. uh, things go on. So really appreciate it. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much. I don't get asked to go on a lot of uh, water-type podcasts. So this is a nice treat. We, we would where, love, we'd uh, love to have is... you up to Minnesota sometime and show you more of what we do. So Yeah, um, that would be good. really cool. And just to learn more about it as, as one part of ag that I really want to know more about. So thank you for the invite and the opportunity to, to, to let me experience and learn a little bit more about your sector of ag. Yeah, thanks. And before we go, um, you know, farmbabe.com, where else can people find you? Thefarmbabe.com. And then if, you know, I know you do, you mentioned it, keynote speakers, um, you speak speeches, keynote speeches, you do that. Um, Mm -hmm. They can all find, if somebody wants to hire you or look more into this, they can find this all on your website, correct? Yep. Yep. I am a social media influencer. I'm a writer and columnist for about four different ag publications now. So between writing and speaking and social media and traveling, I'm, I'm keeping busy, but I love what I do and it's great to connect with you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on The Water Table. You can find us at watertable.ag. Find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And you can also find the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms.